Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Title Town Sports Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Craig Stanton. I'm Melissa Burns. What's going on, Burnsy? Not too much, Craig. Are you? How are you this week? I'm freaking great. I'm fired up. We've got a lot of great stuff in this week's episode. We've got, of course, the Sox in the World Series. We've got some Patriots yes. Bears. We've got Bruins. We've got Celtics. Um, we've got fist fights. We really got it all. Yeah. And we're going to spend most of our time previewing the World Series, which is set to begin this week. Sure thing. Sure thing. Um, if at any point throughout the week, you out there feel uh, compelled to share your takes or have any questions for the program, you can get involved and give us a call at 904-87-TTPOD. Leave yourself a little voicemail and we'll put you on the podcast. Probably. Yeah, you can... You can also follow us uh, on any and all social media uh, at Titletown Pod. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever floats your boat. Get after it. Um, all right. Well, enjoy this episode and go socks. Yo, Melissa. Hey, Craig. What's going on? Not too much. We had a crazy week in Boston sports. Dude, man, you know, like we talk, we've been talking, we sort of preface the show like every week in the same way for the last three weeks, but like yeah. great freaking time of year. I can't keep saying <laughs> it. I can't say it enough times. That and uh, this is in the, in the short period of time that you and I have been doing this podcast, this is the second championship game that we've had the privilege to talk about. And in the in the other sports, we had a game seven in the conference finals, a game seven, you know, like we, we've just yeah, been, yeah. I mean, as as yeah. always, and the, the, you know, the, the name of the show is Titletown, like we've just <laughs> been just ridiculously say, spoiled as advertised, just living up to our name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's fucking awesome. Obviously, everybody knows that the Red Sox are in the World Series. I'm jacked Woo-hoo! up for it. I know you are as well. I'm uh, I, you I, wanna... didn't, I was going to say I did not expect them to get past Houston, so... That was a big win as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, just to, and, and even before we get into like the around town stuff, just to reset our, we had talked pre playoffs about like what it was that they needed to do to achieve, you know, your expectation. I had said, get deep to the ALCS. Like if they had lost to Houston in seven yeah, uh, in the ALCS, I would have been like, all right, golf clap. Good season. I think you said world series or bust. It, it, I did not, but I did. It didn't mean I thought they were going to do it. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to be confused with a prediction. No, 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 yeah. no. I, d- uh, I did. I thought they needed, I don't think you can win 108 games in a season and then bow out of the playoffs. Yeah. Especially if they had gone out like with a whimper, you know, I, I just think that would have been a, sh- a big shame. Hard agree. But that's not what happened. So we don't have to no, focus on sure the negative. It sure wasn't. It sure wasn't. Why don't you tell yeah. the people what went down? We're Boston bred. So it's, a, it's innate in us to think about the negative but (laughs) to talk about (laughs) hypothetically had they failed even though they didn't yeah right (laughs) if it had happened how how they would have done it and how we would have been mad about it but let's get into what really happened with the red sox uh your 2018 american league champion boston red sox in fact they're heading to the world series they split the opening two games at fenway park of course i thought like oh here it comes uh but then the Sox swept the next three in Houston and eliminated the defending champion Astros. It was pretty incredible. 
Some notable performances from the ALCS. Nathan Ivaldi once again, had another monster start in Game 3, as well as a solid appearance out of the bullpen in Game 5, which I was shocked to see him coming out of the bullpen there. Uh, David Price got his first ever postseason win as a yeah, starter. Yeah, buddy. He threw six scoreless innings to clinch the series in Game 5. So not only did he get a win, but it was a game clinch. It was a series clinching win. Yeah, and not only did he like, get a win, but shit. he actually he contributed to the win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. They didn't win in spite of him. They it won didn't just happen around him. It happened yeah. because of well, him. I, I mean, I watching that game was like, oh shit, he's in a pitcher's duel with Justin Verlander. That's not going to go his way. And then yeah, it just right? kept being one nothing. And I was like, holy crap, he did it. He's doing it. it. I don't know Take how I, I feel uncomfortable right now. <laughs> um, we saw JBJ. Win series MVP for the ALCS. I think that was kind of a shock. He had three hits, nine RBIs, uh, and it included a two-out double with the bases loaded in game two, a two-out grand slam in game three, God, and a so two-out awesome. two-run home home run in game four. It was sick. He was he also, all over he, the place. He also hit for, uh, he, so three hits, nine RBIs, 200 average, but had some <laughs> fucking massive bombs in there. He, he, he basically exclu- he exclusively had massive bobs. I, I should say like he didn't yeah, he didn't yeah, have yeah. any just normal conventional hits. His three hits were all like fucking yeah. massive. He wasn't going for like a single. He wasn't going for a cheap hit. He was getting no, it over. apparently not over the wall. Uh, meanwhile, flipping over to the National League, it took a full seven games to decide the NLCS, but the Dodgers ultimately uh, prevailed over the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, we're heading back to the World Series uh, for the second year in a row, hopefully to be runners up once again. Mm-hmm. Um, we will see the first pitch of that beautiful fall classic at 8.09 p.m. on Tuesday. So we should see the conclusion of that game at Fenway Park about mm, 12.42. 2 a.m. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right in time for you to get up for work on, on Wednesday morning. That game should be wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, I was happy to see, though, all the start times for this series. And they even announced this before uh, the, the NLCS was decided. Um, all the start times are eight or nine. So even those West Coast games are uh, going to be eight oh, o'clock Eastern, nice, which is nice, nice for nice. us. Because that, that nice one game four of the uh, ALCS, the fucking eight thirty nine start time, and it also happened to be That's an extremely brutal. long game, was a fucking epic yeah. game. If if you stayed up and watched it, but oh man, that took a lot out of you. Well, yeah, and the problem is like you can you know you can do that one night. Like the Patriots play a Sunday night and Monday night game, and you're like, okay, fuck, fine, I'll be up until. Right. Midnight, one in the morning. But like baseball is a seven game series. I can't do that. <laughs> seven yeah. nights. In game a four, game five. Like, uh, game four, five of the ALCS. Well, yeah, it was three, four, five. They were all back to back to back. And that was, yeah, that by the time like fucking yeah. Friday rolled around, every like the whole city of Boston was just a bunch of fucking zombies. Yeah. Everyone was like working second shift <laughs> just to get their sleep pattern right. Yeah, seriously. Uh, shall we talk about the Patriots? Oh, let's. So uh, those guys got their first road win of the 2019 season against uh, Mitchell Trubisky and the not entirely sucky Chicago Bears uh, this past Sunday. They did so without the uh, tight end. No Rob Gronkowski in this game, and he did not even make the trip to Chicago. About halfway through the list, uh, halfway through the week, rather, he was put on the injury report with a back. Uh, He had previously been on the injury report with an ankle. 
So they put Gronk on ice, and he stayed home. They also lost uh, everyone's favorite first-round pick running back, Sony Michelle, in the first half after he got like kind of twisted around in a somewhat gnarly-looking lower leg injury. Some yeah. early reports today, and I've been traveling today, so I haven't really gotten any more information than, than this mm, from time. Schefter and <laughs> others. Yeah, humble brag. Uh, <laughs> Schefter, uh, Adam Schefter and others on Monday are, are basically saying that it was a knee injury. I thought it was more of like an ankle or something like that, just based on the tackle, but whatever. Uh, and that it's not anything super serious, that they're, they're thinking that it's just kind of a garden variety lower leg injury, not like an ACL or an Achilles or anything fucked up like that. Yeah, that's what I that's what I heard at the later on today, too. He had an MRI today, um, and it looks like it is some like soreness uh there's probably you know some sort of injury in there i'm not a doctor uh but that he's week to week it's not he's not like out yeah cool i mean that that uh that tackle that brought him down if it was a broken ankle i wouldn't have been shocked and him getting off the field was also like extremely ginger like i don't even know if his i forget if it was his right or his left foot but like i don't know if his like right or left foot touched the ground it was like what the way he left the field like he didn't walk off it was like it was pretty rough looking yeah and that was the same knee that he hurt when he was playing college ball, too. Yeah, I think he's got problems in both knees, actually. Yeah. Uh, so that's um, not great. They're saying the same thing on Gronk that they, I think it was the same Schefter report. They don't expect him to miss any significant time. They just shut him down. Uh, yeah. But they don't think it's a serious back injury. Interesting. I Interesting. say, like, fuck it. Just shut him down. You're playing Buffalo next week. Like, whatever. Yeah, who needs it? <laughs> uh, anyways. It was a bit of a sloppy game overall for the Patriots. They had three turnovers, should have even been four, a whole bunch of penalties, uh, and were just overall not at their best. Um, But they were more or less able to clamp down on the Bears in the second half, had a couple big special teams plays, um, a couple of picks, a couple of picks that were, they actually dropped two interceptions that were easy and made two interceptions that were hard. Um, and they were also able to survive a last second Hail Mary that was completed about 70 yard heave from Mitch Trubisky, uh, in the final seconds of the game, but it was, they needed 55 yards, I think, and they got 54, um, and they were a yard short of the end zone. Pats improved to four and two moving on. Like you said, to play the bills in Buffalo Monday night football next week. I don't mean to correct in the moment, but aren't they five and two? Oh yeah. Right. Now yeah. they're five and yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. Sorry. Sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> uh, in this game, they also had two special teams touchdowns and they lost a ball on a punt return and almost lost the second one. Both Cordell Patterson and Edelman almost coughed him up. And I was like, the fuck is happening? Yeah, and that that Cordero Patterson fumble was pathetic. He just laid the ball on the ground. Oh. The other fumble was Sony Michelle, and it was like while his leg was being ripped off his body. So like, okay, yeah, 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 that fine. one, yeah, fine, I guess. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. And yeah, luckily Cordero Patterson made up for it by running one back for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Julian Edelman had one oh. had a had a punt clang off his fucking face mask, which was infuriating. Right, and they recovered it, but like shit. Uh, also, can we talk about a blocked punt? Yeah. Come on. This I is, love this that is your shit. moment. Go ahead. You know, this shit's my jam. A blocked punt. Donta Hightower just comes up over the top and smashes it down. Kyle Van Noy runs it in for a touchdown. 
Yeah. I love all that. I love that weird shit so much. There, there usually is, I find in a Patriots season, like one or two games that are like special team spectacular, just like a whole bunch yeah. of weird shit happens. This may have been that game. Not necessarily all yeah. for good. Yeah. You know, right? But you have but one a, fumble, one near fumble, a blocked punt return for a touchdown, and a a, a kick return for a touchdown. Like that's that's pretty awesome. special teamsy. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, isn't what you're going for to not know that your special teams is there per se? Yeah, so, ideally, sometimes for us to be talking this much about special teams can't have been good. Uh, Bruins, the Bruins, they're playing. They're wrapping up their road trip to Western Canada. With a game against Ottawa Senators on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think Same night that the World Series starts. Yeah, they've, they've oh, no. been getting some real yeah. shit luck with that uh, all through <laughs> yeah, last week. like, nah, no one's watching. Well, they're lucky no one's been watching because they've lost all three games so oh. uh, Yeah, uh, they lost to the Oilers, Flames, and Canucks. They got two out of six points, so they, you know, had uh, two games go to OT. It's worth noting that none of the aforementioned teams are projected to be high-end playoff teams. And although the Bruins look dominant at home, they're still without a road win this season. After the Ottawa game, the Bees take on the Flyers and Canadiens at home this week. I think one other important thing to note is it does not look like Rask has found his skates yet this season. Sure uh, hasn't. And he better get his shit together soon because Halak is anxiously nipping at his heels, I would say. Yeah, and Halak's been playing well. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's lucky. And I mean, this is obviously not just luck, but like this is why the Bruins have to spend real money on a, a non-developmental backup, backup. They need a second, like legit NHL goalie where a lot of teams, they'll have a kid or whatever. You know, it's sort of like, right, right. it's like almost like the backup quarterback position for a lot of teams. Like you have some like developmental, like project type player who's right. who could potentially help you in the future. The Bruins can't do that. They need to have a like legit number two, you know, can, one, can one and one a backup goalie, which sucks. All I'm saying is if the Jaguars can bench Blake Bortles, the Bruins can bench Tuka Rask. <laughs> I don't really believe that. I just really want to yeah, talk about Blake Bortles sure. getting benched because it's awesome. <laughs> sure. You said that with such conviction that I just, I'm just going to go ahead and agree. <laughs> I just like that he got benched because they all of a sudden suck. We wouldn't be doing this podcast in Jacksonville, I can tell you that. For sure. No, no titles to be had down there. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have the Celtics. Uh, not to be left out, they also lost a road game in Canada <laughs> last week. Good week for the Canadians. Consistent. Uh, dropping their first road game of the season, 113 to 101, to uh, the team that is projected, anyways, to be their chief rival in the East, uh, Kawhi Leonard, DeMar DeRozan, and the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the Ooh. Celtics then turned the page and went to New York to play the Knicks, came out with a 103 to 101 win. Your boy, Jason Tatum, mm. scored six of his team high 24 points in the final minute of that game. Uh, which was enough to stave off the Knicks, who were uh, making a, a pretty reasonable push to come back and win that game. Uh, and the Celtics got their first road win of the season. Nice. Uh, looking ahead this week, the Celtics have the Magic at home. They travel to Oklahoma City to play the Thunder, and they finish the week with a home-and-home home with uh, the Pistons. Oh, a lot of action for the Celtics this week. Yeah, well, the Pistons thing is like Saturday and Sunday next, so, you know. It's not too too dense, but yep, they're they're out there. Jason Tatum looked like a fucking yeah. boss at the end of that Knicks game. I was watching that. I was like yeah. du dual screening the game seven of the NLCS and the Celtics Knicks game. Um, yeah, and yeah, Jason Tatum looked like fucking Kobe Bryant at the end of that game. It was pretty good. 
It's pretty good. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch some of the highlights. Yeah, like the play, like, you know, in like a in like a highlight scenario, like the actual shots themselves, they weren't like crazy, but it was just like, you know, it's nice to know that you can give the ball to your like 22 year old second year player to like ice a game in the final seconds like that. That feels good. So so you're saying that the final two minutes of that game really made a difference in how the game turned out? It's almost as if I'm saying (laughs) that the game has a, had a certain knack for coming down to the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter as much of an aberration. You might find that hard to believe, Melissa, I know, but I, I can't uh, even as unusual that as that may happen. sound, uh, an NBA regular season game to, uh, it worked out in such a way that all you really needed to see was the last five minutes. It's, it's amazing how a timed game with a lot of scoring could, could play out that way. Wild. Yeah, it's really wacky, really wacky stuff. Yeah. What a week. What a week. I'm just trolling everybody today. All right, should we move into our main topic? Yeah, sure. We're, I, th- I feel like I feel like we're gonna want to talk a lot of socks. Is that is that your feeling as well? I I, I feel like we have to. I'd like to uh, start off just with the continued victory lap uh, that I started with in the beginning of the show, which is to say this is the fourth World Series that the Red Sox have been to Uh in 14 years. This will be the 16th championship game between uh, all four uh, major pro teams here in Boston over the last 18 years since 2000. Um, And that doesn't even include fucking, you know, conference finals or or whatever. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's fucking awesome. It is awesome. I love it. it. I mean, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's hard not to get excited when this stuff keeps happening. Like you get sports longer into your seasons. You know, like to not be one of those teams that in like August first is like, well, baseball season's over. Like we got six weeks till football. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you totally. actually get to continue to enjoy sports throughout the entire year. Hell yeah. And you know, something that you said earlier uh, of like, you know, winning 108 games and going out with a whimper would be a huge disappointment. Like it is nice to finally see this team, which is like, I think a very likable team um, get through, get over that hump of like falling flat in the playoffs. And actually like you can see like, you know, there was visible sort of relief on the faces of certainly David Price, you know, Mookie Betts, Sandra Bogarts, the guys who have been on the team since, you know, for the last couple of years that um, haven't really come particularly close to achieving their ceiling in the playoffs. So, like, it's really cool to see this team, like, get to where they should be, which is vying for championships. Yeah, I agree. Finally. So let me ask you this, uh, Melissa. NLCS, Brewers, Dodgers, rolling back the clock a little bit. Who are you rooting for in that series? I was rooting for the Brewers. Why is that? I have no strong reason to. I just like any team that names themselves after alcoholic beverages. <laughs> Out of, from, yeah. If it was the, you know, El Paso tequilas, I'd cheer for them too. <laughs> the El Paso <laughs> tequilas. The Mexico City tequilas. Yeah. For when they expand. Yeah, I didn't know if we were ready to go uh, over full, the borders. Full like south had, of the I border, we, yeah. Yeah, I guess we have a team in Canada in baseball, so why yeah, not go Mexico? No, I mean, I have no so, strong reason. I'm not super invested in the National League, so I, I don't know enough about the teams to have, like, a rooting interest in one over the other. Right, 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 right. I just feel yeah. like there's more people to hate on the Dodgers. 
For sure. Yeah, definitely like the baseball fan in me, just like neutrally forgetting about the Red Sox for a second. Like you got to pull for the underdog there. Like how could you yeah. not? Like who could ever root right. for the LA Dodgers with like a gazillion dollar payroll against Milwaukee, like a plucky little small market, low payroll type team. Like that's the obvious, you know, you gotta. Right. However, right. I will say for the purposes of like my own entertainment, although it's a little bit, the stakes get a little higher, I think. Uh, because I think the Dodgers are ultimately the better lineup, therefore, pre- uh, you know, presenting a greater challenge for the Sox. But yeah, I was like the Red Sox fan in me, like wanted LA. Like I, I love the idea of like the Boston LA thing for the finals. Like I think that's, I think that's great for the World Series. That is, I think that's fucking rad. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty classic rivalry. You think about all those great Celtics Lakers rivalries, and like to get that in a different sport, and like that city hatred you're talking about two big cities you know with like ton of like national interest and i don't know street cred if you will um but like they're they're sports towns yeah yeah you have the best sports city in america versus a team that can't even support uh one nfl team not to mention two uh so yeah good sports good sports rivalry there for sure (laughs) uh yeah but i was i was i'm like into that as a matchup because because honestly the brewers to me feel like the 2007 like colorado rockies or something like some nl yeah, team that yeah. like is great for the national league but then they just get steamrolled by right. you know in that case it was obviously the red Sox, and in this case i think it would also like i think the brewers would have gotten flattened and I, honestly i'm picking the Sox to win like i think the red Sox are better than the dodgers in yeah, me too. M- almost every category but i yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited about the the boston la thing you know what i was with a friend this weekend who pointed out that boston la like this year more than any other year that i can think of presents an opportunity to be the championship matchup in a couple different sports Oh yeah. Like the best team in the, in the NFC right now, like hands down, they might even be the best team in football as the LA Rams. Like they're a fucking machine and the Pats are, we, you know, obviously Mm going to be vying for appearing in a Super Bowl, certainly like as they are every single year. And you've got obviously the Celtics are the class of the East until proven otherwise. And although obviously golden state uh, and Houston are hanging around the Western conference of the NBA, like you got LeBron in LA. So like, you never know, you know, Imagine if there was a three-team, a three-sport Boston LA trifecta. Yeah, that would be sick. That can't have ever happened before. Oh God, no! I I doubt like two cities ever went back to back, or not back to back. You know what I mean? Like t- like yeah, two I different teams competing yeah, yeah. for a championship in the same year. I doubt that's in ever the same happened. city. Like, the f- yeah, because you have to look for cities that have like multiple sports teams, and like there yeah, are some that don't. There's not that many cities that have all four. Yeah. All four. I mean, Milwaukee, yeah. for instance, only has the one. That's what I was they just, only have no, the no, Brewers. No, they have the Bucks too. Oh, and the Bucks. Yeah, of course, the fucking Bucks. Neither of whom are uh, going to a championship yeah. anytime right. soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it would be cool uh, to have something like that happen. You know, I think that the entire Golden State team would need to, like, I don't know, go in down in some kind of fiery inferno for it to happen. Yeah, but. for sure. Stranger things have happened. Maybe they all quit. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there'll be some sort of work stoppage. Yeah. Just uh, in Golden State. <laughs> let me ask you this. So you and I, yeah. particularly in last week's episode, sort of went in on David Price. And I think you deserved it. <laughs> and like we, said, it. <laughs> like we said uh, earlier, he throws six scoreless innings. I think he had like nine strikeouts or something like that in yeah. Yeah. not a super 
pressure game, but still a playoff game, still on the road, still against one of like the most proven postseason pitchers of all time, Justin Verlander. Uh, And he pitched his fucking ass off, did David Price. So what was your take on the David Price like uh, redemption that that happened the other night? I I was happy to see it. Like, I'm happy. You know, he plays for our team. We pay him a lot of money. I would like to see him be successful. Like, that would be the ultimate goal, right, for all of us involved. I agree. I don't don't know that it solves all of his postseason woes permanently, though. I think to like really get the monkey off his back, he needs to do it again. Simply because like if we've learned anything about David Price in the years that he's been here, it's that he's kind of a head case. And, you know, as someone that can let her anxiety talk her into anything or out of anything, I could just hear him being like, well, I did that, but maybe that was just a fluke. And like, how do I know I can do it again? And like, what if I can't do it again? Then what happens? Then it was just a flash in the pan. And all of a sudden you're like back in your head. And, and you're yeah, like doubting yeah, me, that it was real. Meanwhile, he's thinking that thought stream that you just uh, uh, you just said in between every single pitch of, <laughs> of, of a <laughs> start. You just re-racks that whole like self-doubt conversation in between every single fucking pitch. <laughs> well, it's working for him. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Like it, this one game alone is obviously a step, right? But I think it's pretty meaningless if in game two of the World Series, he like gives up like fucking three runs on four hits in the first two innings. Uh, You know what I mean? Like it obviously it it dissipates if he like reverts, but he does have a chance. I mean, all he needs to do is have one more start. Well, one, maybe two more starts uh, of of quality and he's good. Like he'll get his. I mean, assuming like if the Red Sox can win the World Series, like he's got a ring, he's got that banner. Like that's you know, you, no one can ever take that away. Well, and I think Red Sox fans will support him. Like that will turn it around. That'll turn around his reputation if he can finally perform when it matters. And I think for him being able to like replicate that success, now you start having momentum, and you're like, oh, I beat the Astros and I beat the Dodgers, and like y- you start seeing yourself as a postseason starting pitcher that has success. Who can have success? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I feel yeah. like it's a lot like John Lackey. John Lackey, I think he came here in 2011. He was a part of the 2011 and 2012 teams for the Sox that were total dumpster fires. Uh, yeah. John Lackey was leading the charge in terms of like the shithead pitcher, pitching staff that was, yeah. you know, chicken and beer and all that stuff. And like John Lackey, yeah sucked i fucking hated yeah. john lackey he's and then a mouth 20, breather 23 he is a he is the king of the mouth breathers that guy Literally hasn't shut his mouth like. since he came out of the womb but yeah i mean <laughs> like john lackey is a perfect example of someone that like red sox fans now look back upon and smile because he in 2013 he pitched yeah. his balls off and they won the world series and like now we look back on the john lackey era and we're mostly pretty okay with it. I mean, I, I certainly don't hate John Lackey now. I think John Lackey's fine. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, yeah. he was a, he was I'm a ballsy starter, you know, in that 2013 right. season. And and it's it's like, even if the, the majority of the time you spent on the team was not successful, if you can break through and win a championship, it's pretty much like all good. That's my thought anyways. Uh, people will forgive anything around here. Like they, Like I said, they want to be on your side. Yeah, and we talked about this win. last week too. It's like we no one roots against David Price 
when he walks out to the mound. It's only when he walks right. off the mound, having exploded yeah. a fucking game that we boo right. and that we hate him. Like we're all rooting for him every single time. This time he actually came through. It was nice to see. I, I thought, you know, when he was warming in the bullpen in game four, Game yeah. four was the roller coaster. That was like the, I forget the final on that, but that was like the back and forth game. You had the Mookie Betts like fan interference and all that stuff. Craig Kimball loading the braces in the ninth inning with that diving catch from Andrew Benintendi to win it. So that was game four. And fucking David Price is warming in the bullpen when K- Craig Kim. Oh my God, I can't say his fucking name in stride. It's Craig so hard. Kimbrell. It's so hard. You would think I'd at least have the first half down considering my name <laughs> is also Craig. But anyways, they had Price warming in the bullpen during all that. And like he was, I, I don't know, you got a certain sense from him that he was like fucking fired up and ready yeah. to throw some bullets. Um, he was, luckily, he never had to. He was doing his part but, out there. Yeah. And I mean, that, that, it, that he also said post game after game five that like while he was in the bullpen, he said some. it was a little vague, but he was like, yeah, we found something and like corrected it. And like now I'm good. Like. I don't know what that is, but like something mechanical with his delivery. Who the fuck knows? But maybe they just told him they found something. Yeah, right. Like they're just like, hey, just uh, we you're, think uh, you're. You got this weird arm angle. Dropping Here, your this. elbow at a weird yeah. place. Oh. Uh, oh, did I fix it? Yeah, yeah, you fixed it, David. You're gonna be good now. You got it. Yeah, much better, <laughs> much better. Yeah, just throwing fucking placebos around the fucking yeah. bullpen in Fenway. Whatever works, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel good about David Price, but you're right that like it's still like this isn't this is a this is a chapter in Red Sox history that is still being written. And we'll see on Wednesday night when he takes the mound what 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 his deal is. Right. Um, Because if if he reverts, if he reverts, then game five of the ALCS is meaningless as far as I'm concerned. Right. It was a fluke, a drop in the pan, a flash in the pan, as it were. Uh, You know who we're going to see in this series? Who's that? Old Dave friend Roberts. Manny Machado. Oh, we are going to see old friend Dave Roberts too. I forgot about him. Uh, but yeah, Manny Machado playing on the Dodgers. You may remember him of uh, from uh, being a wicked douchebag for like his entire yeah. career. Exactly. So yeah, for for uh, listeners of this program that don't follow the rest of the league terribly closely, just player to keep your eye on in the World Series, Manny Machado, third baseman for the Dodgers. He was on the Orioles for i believe his entire career until they traded him to the dodgers um he'll be a free agent next year so who even knows what team he'll be on then but like he's a really good player good third baseman power bat can hit the ball a fucking mile but he is a douche of all douches he you know who he's like he's like brad marchand he's like one of these guys that he's it's illogical it's illogical how much they like fuck with people. It's just in their like DNA. They just have to do it. Like there's no reason for it. It's just, it's like wired into their brain that they have to be this like little pest that just fucking needles people all the time. Manny Machado was the, the guy who was more or less responsible for that whole like Sox Orioles thing last year where they're all fucking throwing at each other. And Dustin Pedroia is yelling, yelling, to John Farrell on the top step of the fucking dugout is a whole big mess. Uh, he also like deliberately he, kicked the first baseman yeah. of the Brewers like on the ankle, which is the most baseballish. I mean, w- when you say that out loud, it sounds like such a dainty little attack. Uh, <laughs> but it was pretty dirty and pretty needless and pretty yeah. obvious and like no way it was accidental. And he's just a fucking dick. Yeah, he he's someone to watch just to see what kind of shenanigans he gets into. And uh 
I think we talked about this last week or maybe I just thought it. You know, I think a lot of things have kind of been breaking for the Red Sox throughout this playoff run, uh, which you need. You need you need a little luck uh, to be a champion. But I'm curious to know if he tries to pull any of those shenanigans, kind of what the outcome is with the Red Sox in this case. Like how closely are the umpires going to be watching for it? You know, is he maybe going to do something that's borderline that would oftentimes be kind of let go, but because of his history, maybe he gets called and, uh, you know, that could be an advantage for the Red Sox. Yeah, I also wonder, like, do the Red Sox, like, try to, like, rattle his cage? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm sure I'm not, I don't follow Manny Machado close enough to know whether he plays better when he's like agitated or whether his agitation gets in the way of his performing on the field. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I almost wonder like if they bait him or something, you know what I mean? Like in his first at bat, if they just throw at him or something like not at his head or anything bad, but just like, you know, just fucking buzz him a little bit and just like see what happens. Fleshy part of the ass. See what happens for him. Yeah. (laughs) Cause the other thing is fleshy part of the ass. Uh, (laughs) The other thing is the Red Sox are undefeated this pro season after being trolled by their opponent. If you remember Aaron judge playing (laughs) New York, New York in the bowels of Fenway park after the, the game two victory that the uh, Yankees managed in the DS. And then Bregman posting on Instagram, the triple back to back home runs against Nathan Evaldi before game three. And they like in both cases, the Red Sox clearly saw it because they were responding to it in various ways after the fact. And neither team won a fucking game after doing that. So I say, bring it on, Manny, do whatever you want. David Price yelling, post this. That was awesome. Oh, that was so awesome. I was like, yes, get it. That's what I'm talking about. Get in there. You know, what's funny. This is like a fuck the high road. Yeah. (laughs) Take the fucking low road. Screw you, dude. You're going to post that. People kept talking about like, oh, someone in the Astros organization must have made him take it down. But did they make him take it down or did he post it in his stories and the story just expired? <laughs> oh, yeah, he, it was in his story. That's oh, that's a so fact. it just I don't think he took it down. I think those expire. After they do expire. That's true. I think they're only so, up there for 24 hours. Maybe the media was just not to, understanding Instagram stories. Uh, that's 100 percent what I think was happening <laughs> is that they weren't understanding that. He didn't remove it. It just by nature was removed because <laughs> it was temporary. Good take. But it made me laugh. Good take. I like it. it. Made me laugh while I was listening to these old men on the radio talk about, you know, the Instagram. I got one. I got one last take. Uh, this is an off script take about the World Series. Oh, so, okay. Uh, Throw it games, at me. Games two. Uh, I'm sorry. Games three and four. And if needed, games five. Uh and that's it are going to be played in LA, of course. And (laughs) it's a national league ballpark, which means you play by national league rules, which means there's no designated hitter. Uh, Normally when the Red Sox play in national league parks, Mookie Betts moves over and plays center field. Jackie Bradley is on the bench and you have JD Martinez playing, right? That's no, that's generally what they've done in national league ballparks is JBJ gets the fucking boot. JD plays right. Mookie plays center. Um, What's interesting about this World Series is obviously Jackie Bradley Jr. has been hitting very well, uh, won the ALCS MVP, as we said. Benintendi's also been hitting really well. He doesn't have quite as many like big moments offensively, but he has been having a really good postseason. Mookie Betts actually is probably the weakest hitter of the three right now but you can't take uh, you just simply can't take Mookie Betts out of the lineup that's stupid so the question has become when they play in LA 
how do you get, you also can't take JD Martinez out of your lineup. So this is a good problem to have, but it's a problem. Nonetheless, I've actually heard that they're thinking about moving Mookie to play second. Yeah. I mean, Mookie came up as a second baseman. Like that, that was his natural position. I learned that this week. Oh, look at that. Um, what do you think about that? I would do it. I would at least try it for a game. I think that's awesome. I would love, that would be great. And you know what? That speaks to like having good depth and like, I can't say like it was strategic that they built the team the way they, they did. But I think it is about like using people in the best way possible. Like it just gives you more flexibility and, and more options. I heard that Mookie has actually been taking infield practice all season just to kind of keep himself fresh in case they ever oh, needed wow. him at second base, which is very smart to do, you know, keep your skills up. And I, I feel like, you grew up playing that position like it's going to come back to you. And might you give up a little defense? Like, yeah, okay. But oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm willing J- J.D. To Martinez give it is up. not going to bring... I mean, you're giving up a little bit of right. defense by putting J.D. Martinez in the outfield in the first place. So, like... Right. You know. I mean, it's total, total, like, champagne problems. Like, you got four guys to play three positions. But, you know, Ian Kinsler's been fine. But, like, he's certainly not a must-start at second base. I would love to see Mookie Betts at second. I think that would be great. I would be into that. Yeah, and it's not like Ian Kinsler's like winning a gold glove. Like maybe back in the day, but like not. Yeah, anymore. I mean he has, and, but like that's not, you know, I mean right. come on. it's not this season. So that's why I think like you you go for it, you take your chance with the offense, and you try it for one game and like let's say you drop one in LA, like that's okay. You still, you know, assuming you win the first two, have home field advantage. And if it's a complete disaster, you make so many substitutions in a national league game that like you can throw him in center field and pull out Jackie Bradley Jr. at any time. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think also, like, it it would be wise for the Red Sox not to be, like, not to take the cheese on JBJ. Like, at the end of the day, as ballsy as his at-bats were, like, he still only had three hits over the whole series. (laughs) And he hit 200. Like, like, love you, mean it, Jackie. But, like, you know, I I, I think the Red Sox are smart enough not to just get totally lost in the drama of the Grand Slam and whatnot to, right. be, to realize who the, their best players really are. The sizzle of the, like, excitement. You're still going to look at the on-base percentage. And it yeah, can't yeah, be yeah. that I'm, high. I don't have it in front of me, but it can't be that high. Right. If you're slotting <laughs> those four players, Mookie, Benatendi, Jackie Bradley Jr., and J.D. Martinez offensively, you just there is no way that you could make the argument that Jackie Bradley's not fourth out of four. You know, you just right. can't. Yeah, exactly. And like I'm all for I'm all about like ride the hot hand. Like he did have totally. a hot ALCS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you gotta play him and see what happens. And he gives you a ton defensively in center field. Electric so, defensively. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. But <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think you could be like, well, maybe we should send Mookie. Like, no, no. He's in contention for an MVP yeah, this he's year. A, like you're not you can't. You can't do that. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. I'm picking the socks. Who are you picking? I'm picking the socks. I think I think I think it's going. I think it's going to be Red Sox, and I think it's going to be five. I think I don't think it's going to be. Oh. A, I don't think it's going to be a deep series. Maybe I'm just a fucking hardo for that take, but I think it's going to be oh, socks and five. I I wouldn't be surprised if it went to six. Because you know what? I actually am taking the cheese on David Price. I think Price is going to pitch well. Oh boy! Oh sucker! <laughs> I may be a sucker. That's true. But I, in the, in the meantime, I'll, I, I think he, I think he turned a corner. Okay. Well, That's we'll just me. see. I'm not as, I'm not as easy to, you know, be swayed as you, I guess. <laughs> so last thing I'm I want to, I guess not. 
Last thing I want to ask you about is uh, speaking of game ones and twos. Uh, so far, this postseason, yes. Sox are two and two at Fenway and five and zero oh on the road. They Incredible. swept Houston out of Minute Maid Park and they beat the Yankees in both games they played in New York. Uh, do you think that that is a problem? Do you think that will continue? I actually meant to talk about this last week, but we never got around to it. Um, I kept the same question in our notes, but I just changed the numbers. <laughs> uh, but oh, do you th- are you concerned about that at all? Or do you th- and, and do you think that will continue? No, you know what I think it speaks to? I think it speaks to this team's ability to learn and adapt. So we've had home field advantage. So like the first two games have always been at Fenway and they've split in both series. And I think to me what it says is like Alex Cora and the team is doing a good job at figuring out like what that team's weakness is once they've seen them play two games and kind of how to exploit it and manage around that. Like what pitchers are going to give you the best matchups? How does that batter approach the plate, like what what does the team do in these kind of situations? And then they make adjustments based on what they've learned about the other team. But do you think they're, do you think they play tight at Fenway? Like what, you know what I mean? No, I don't think it's about tight. I think they might play more conservative. Like, I don't think it's a, um, tight makes me think of like a fear thing. And like, I I don't think it's like an anxiety feared thing. I think they're probably a little more conservative. They stick with like what they know. You know, I, I, I think if I'm right, that in both series, like when we've seen starters come in out of the bullpen, it's been on the road and it's a little more like balls to the walls. Like we know we can win this. We're going for it. And, you know, they like I said, they kind of have like figured out where to where to take chances because they know it'll pay off against. So the you're saying team. you're saying at the beginning of the series, regardless of home road, it's like a feeling out type situation. Yeah, and as exactly. they learn more about the opponent, they implement it in the later games and, and right. Yeah. Go for it. And it makes sense. In this case, like our, our sample all has the same structure to it because like, I would be curious if one series had been, you know, they didn't have the home field advantage and would it have worked out the same? And there's obviously no way to know, but you know, cause if it had, then it does speak to like you, they went into the first two with a game plan of being conservative and figuring Mm -hmm. it out. We, I could be assigning way too much to it. And, and maybe they just like playing on the road and like playing Fortnite and having beers together after the game. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, see, I, my feeling is that it's actually, if you look at games one and two in both series, like I feel like it's yeah. been more of a sale price problem than it has been a home road problem. Oh. Like the, the, like Evaldi's yeah. been nails in both of the game threes that he's pitched in. Porcello was yeah. really good in game four in New York. He was, okay in game four in Houston, but like the sale starts haven't been great and prices start obviously in the Yankee series was abysmal. Um, and it was pedestrian, like just perfectly average fine, uh, in game two in the, in the Astro series. So I'm just hoping that those dudes can figure it out. And I think that their home problem goes away if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would love to, if that was the answer, shit, that would be great. You just get a good start out of uh, Chris Sale and David Price. That would be the best case scenario. And I mean, I love the fact that they can go on the road and just fucking blow doors. Like, I think that's awesome. Like, yeah. that speaks to all sorts of different intangibles about this team. Um, right. But, you know, it'd be nice to take care of business at home, too. <laughs> it sure would. There's a reason you win all those games, and it's for the home field advantage. So, yeah. you know, use it to use your it. advantage. <laughs> use it, yeah. Oh boy. All right. And well, if hey. I had to sit in all that goddamn fucking Fenway traffic, the least they could do was win. Here, here. Every goddamn game. 
<laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. You got any final World well, Series takes or should we move on to the old uh, lightning round? Uh, I'm ready to move on to the lightning round. I think we both gave our predictions. I feel strong about their chances. I'm just ready to let like, let's go. Yeah, let's I'm just it. ready. To, I'm just ready to take it all in. Yeah. Do you think Dave Roberts, when they announce him, gets a cheer at Fenway Park? Oh, of course. He's got to. He's got to. Dave Roberts, for those yeah. that don't know, I didn't know this until recently, manager of what? the uh, Los Angeles oh. Dodgers. Oh, you didn't know that part. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I obviously knew who he was. Is that where you thought I was going? Well, yeah, that is where I thought you were going, and I almost hung up the phone on you. No, no, I just had no idea he was even in baseball anymore. <laughs> oh. Like, I, I haven't kept tabs yes. on Dave Roberts. Like, I just I, I had no idea. I also was surprised to hear that. Did you know that he and Cora played together right uh, in the season that – uh, he got traded, Dave Roberts, that is, to the Red Sox. I did in not know that. I learned that this week, too. That's a fun fact that I did not know. Yeah. Anyways, lightning round. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I got really excited. All my fun facts. So, all right. First question. A little bit old hat, but at this point, uh, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't get to it. So, first inning of Game 4 of the ALCS, Jose Altuve of the Astros hit what would have been a game-tying two-run home run to right field. Mookie Betts leapt at the wall to catch the ball in the first row of the stands, and Astros fans, as you would, uh, eyeing the ball and trying not to get murdered by it, hands outstretched to catch the ball themselves. They caused Mookie's glove to close. The ball then hits Mookie Betts' closed glove and drops. Uh, the umpire and crew chief, your friend and mine, Joe West, called the play Country fan Joe. interference. He called that on the field. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, Jose Altuve was called out. The call went to replay, but was not overturned. It also wasn't confirmed. It was just they just let the call stand. Right. Uh, they so didn't what have enough thoughts? evidence to overturn. Right. right. So what were your thoughts on this play? And do you think that uh, they made the right call? So when I was watching it with the naked eye, I signaled home run. I thought for sure they were going to call that a home run. And I was shocked when he called it fan interference and called El Tuve out. To the point that like I signaled home run myself in my living room and then like turned to look at something else and turned back. and was like, what the hell's happening? Like, what are they even doing right now? Yeah, what are they checking? Uh, yeah, like, what are you even checking? I... <laughs> I mean, as a Red Sox fan, I'm like, yeah, of course it was fan interference. Fuck that guy. He's out of there. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I have watched the video a bunch and I don't know that the fan, I guess maybe I just haven't seen a strong enough angle where like, yes, the fan's hand is what caused the ball or what caused the glove to close. Like Mookie Betts feels like a strong guy. You think one guy pushing on his glove could close it? Yeah, the glove's all flappy though. I, yeah, true. Yeah. See, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the thing is, the, the most important part of that play was the fact that Joe West made a definitive call on the field. Right. And it was just simply a 50-50 coin flip of a call. Like, it wasn't the fans leaning over the wall, and it wasn't Mookie Betts leaning into the stands. It The, the play transpired literally just vertically, like, straight up. Yeah. With, like, if the wall like, were higher, that would have been a wall. You know what I mean? Like, just... The wall itself is like four inches or so like deep. And it just happened in that like four inch column that leads like straight up. And like it was just, you know, coin flip. What are you going to do? I'm almost surprised that they didn't like call it a ground rule double. Well, so that's that's my big take is that like I think it was a 50-50 call. But the rule 
where fan he's interference out. is an out, that seems way too severe to me. Like, yeah, the, it seems the fact that that's much. either a two run homer or he's out is like wild. Like, yeah, ground rule double, call it a foul ball. Like, there's so many things you yeah. can do. Like, change that rule. It's it's almost like the tuck rule type of thing. Like, proper implementation of a badly written rule is what right. I would call that fan interference thing. Yeah, and it, it puts a lot of pressure on the fan. And it's it wasn't like an egregious, like they were reaching way out over the wall no, or their they eye like were their eye was the on the ball. Field. They have they're in the first right. row of right field. They're just, they're they're watching it all the way like you would any fly ball coming in your direction. Like they just put yeah. their hands out As in a conventional <laughs> manner. Nobody was like right. operating outside of their personal space, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're told yeah, at the beginning of the game to watch for the balls coming into, yeah, the, seriously. into the stands. They were just doing their part, following the rules. Yeah, it was it was interesting, and uh, I agree. It's weird that it results in an out. Like, you, you're, you're making the fans too big a part of the game <laughs> doing that. I agree. I also think that they and, could, like, you have to de-incentivize fan interference. Like, I understand that, but, like, it's not that hard to see whether a fan is deliberately, like, outside of their zone right you know going for a ball versus just simply putting their hands out so they don't get beamed with the ball on the fly like right so they, they could they could change that rule and say okay if if no fan goes out of their way to interfere it's a ground rule double but if a fan does go out of their way to interfere and is deliberately like outside of like you know entering into the field of play then it's an out like I, I, i'm pretty sure that they could figure out the difference you know they could figure out a way to, yeah i mean i think every person at home could figure out the difference between those two. It's not. Yeah, I agree. Rocket science. Ready for another ALCS storyline? I'm ready. Those Houston Astros got caught cheating. Woo! They had a team employee in the camera well next to the Red Sox dugout filming the Sox's conversations and signals during game two. And we can presume games prior to this as well. After this man was asked to leave, another team employee took his place and began doing the same thing. Houston claimed that they were filming the Sox to make sure that they weren't cheating. And MLB seemed to take this explanation at face value and considers the case closed. It is worth pointing out that the Astros did not win another game after being called out for this practice. Thoughts on them cheating? Yeah. Okay. So thoughts on them cheating. (laughs) They were obviously cheating. Their explanation saying that they were only cheating so that they could make sure that the Red Sox weren't cheating is ridiculous. Bullshit. a little ridiculous that the MLB just took that at face value, but I also kind of appreciate them not making a mountain out of a mohill a la deflate gate type thing, yeah, like going like true. way over the top to like, you know, come down hard on that sort of stuff. Cause baseball is kind of a fucking sneaky game with pine tar and this and that and stealing mm-hmm. signals and like whatever. Fuck it. But they were cheating for sure. I also think it's worth pointing out that Alex Cora, your manager of the Boston Red Sox, was the bench coach of the Houston Astros last year. And what a coincidence that a guy that used to work for the team was able to call out a certain type of tactic that that team was employing against oh, him. Oh, uh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're I mean, sneaky. I think I think Cora was like, "Are you serious? Like you're doing this with me? Like, me? like I don't know the fucking state secrets for the Houston Astros? Like, get this fucking clown out of my yeah. Like, I don't park. know Steve in the camera well. Like, hey, yeah, buddy, like, get come the on, GTFO. 
there is a echoes echoes of Spygate uh, in this in this story, but we won't get into that here. That, that's a good point. And like at the end of the day, you know, the Red Sox won the series. Do you think that MLB would have had to treat it differently if the Astros had won the series? I don't know. I guess it. I mean, that's up to the management of the Sox. Like how much of a stink they're going to make. Dave Dombrowski right. sort of was just like, oh, yeah, case closed. Well, I, I mean, guess, they so. got kind of in trouble for using Apple Watches. The Apple Watch thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you use your Apple Watch to cheat, but whatever. Anyways, anyway. yeah. Dirty, rotten cheaters. They deserve to lose. <laughs> Scoundrels. Uh, here's a fun story. Big yeah. news coming out of some early season basketball on the West Coast. Yeah. A frequent topic on the Teletown Sports Podcast. Yes. Oh, Regular so season uh, Western Conference West basketball. Coast, uh, NBA basketball. I'm in. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Houston Rockets got in a brawl, not like an NBA pushing shoving ball, but like, a, but an actual punches thrown brawl on yeah. Saturday night in LA. Um, Brandon Ingram for the Lakers, Rajan Rondo also on the Lakers, and Chris Paul for the Rockets, all through like legit punches on the floor of the Staples yeah, Center. Haymakers. All have been suspended. Uh, Ingram got four games. He sort of instigated the whole thing and yeah. came in late and was swinging yeah. like crazy. He was uh, like third man in. Yeah, totally. But he also sort of started I'm it yelling. with chirping, apparently. Uh, yeah. Rondo got three games. Chris Paul got two. Um, I'm assuming you've seen this clip by now. And do I you have. think these were appropriate punishments for this fight? Uh, no, I don't think they're enough. I don't think two games for Chris Paul in an 82-game season is enough to stop me from throwing a punch if I get real pissed on the floor about something. I also think, like, I get why Ingram got more games, but I think Rondo and Chris Paul should have gotten the same suspension. In some ways, the Chris Paul getting less makes me think that they don't want the superstar out. Like, they had to do mm, something, but they don't want him out for as many games. I might have gone Ingram for six and then five for each of the other two. Because now you're wow. talking a, a week of games. Like, that can actually have an impact. Like, don't fucking fight on the floor. Right, right, right. Yeah, they're clearly trying to come down hard on these guys. That's for sure. Yeah. I want to ask you this because as a rock and roll star yourself, I want to know your thoughts. I'm very um, passionate about this particular topic. Oh, are you? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Fucking fake tough guy, worst rock and roll frontman of one of the worst bands ever, Anthony Kiedis. If you don't know, he's the stupid lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He got kicked out of the Staples Center after yelling at Rockers, Rockets players and flipping off Chris Paul after this aforementioned brawl. It's a big night at the Staples Center on Saturday. Seriously. Uh, are celebrity fans the fucking worst or what? Yeah, it's well established on this program and others that celebrity super fans are the fucking worst. Uh, Kevin Hart for the f- stupid Eagles. I don't even fucking like Mark Wahlberg hanging around the Pats and the Celtics and stuff. <laughs> fucking Eddie Vedder pissed me off the year oh, that the Chicago Cubs won God. the World Series. Now he's, he's like the, the de facto like spokesman for all of postseason baseball, which I think sucks. Anthony Kiedis is the worst. He might be the worst like fucking rock and roll lead singer of like all time as far as i'm concerned and his only like the the cool member of his band flea the bass player the only like famous bass player on the planet was sitting name me another like household name bass player you're gonna go with guns and roses aren't you i was gonna go with guns and roses (laughs) because i'm sitting in my creepy guns and roses office (laughs) in your shrine in your guns and roses i'm looking at duff mckagan right now he's staring at me as i'm sitting here (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Anyways, long story short, fuck Anthony Kiedis. That guy sucks. Any fan that feels like he's like a part of it, he or she is so much a part of it that like when your team is in a fight, you are also in a fight. You're a clown and you suck. And I hope they pull his season tickets and I never have to look at his stupid mustache on TV again. Screw Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> well, such strong opinions. I'm glad <laughs> yeah, I asked you that question. Worst. <sighs> All right, here's a weird one. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Peter Gammons, old time baseball writer, uh, is becoming an increasingly unstable tweeter. Uh, <laughs> he's best known on Twitter for sharing like random combinations of text and characters. He's got about half a million followers, and in he, he was previously most famous for like basically butt dialing tweets, like just like <laughs> semicolon close parentheses tweet. Like it would just made no sense. Uh, Recently, his tweets have taken a strange turn for the worse, and have included this like sort of weird shoehorned like political slant to his ostensibly sports related tweets. Let me oh. give you some examples here. Yeah, we were please. talking about Angel Hernandez, the really shitty ump in the ALDS yeah. series. Peter Gammons said about that uh, on Twitter. Thankfully, Angel Hernandez wasn't on the Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, it would have been overturned. But um, psh. Oh. Uh, weird. Later on in that Yankee series, he says, in the eighth inning of what may be a do or die game with the tension of a game seven, Neanderthal Fenway Park, quote, fans chanting, Yankees suck are eerily like those who chant lock her up at a political rally designed to demean female assault victims as trauma. What? Oh, what? Peter, what? He, this oh. one was my personal favorite. This was a few days ago during the Houston series. This just is wacky and also just showing his age. <laughs> Says Red Sox players know Alex Bregman, the guy from Houston who did the uh, Instagram thing. Third baseman. Red Sox players know Alex Bregman is like Dustin Pedroia, comma, 1977, period, which I don't understand what that first part means. They died to play with him, but some Boston media get upset with him. Are they upset that his great-grandfather, a courageous immigrant, was part of the group that brought the Boston Redskins and moved to Washington? What? What What the fuck is he talking about? Like, he's comparing... Alex Bregman to Pedroia, and then he says 1977 for no reason. And then he says he's theorizing that the Boston media don't like Alex Bregman because his great grandfather was an immigrant who moved the Boston Redskins football team to Washington. And then here's the here's the cherry on top. This was just today. Uh, he tweets out a picture of the Green Monster and said, "Is this Trump's wall?" Peter like what (laughs) stick like talk about like shut up and dribble Peter Gammons please stick to baseball dude stay in your lane old man stick to baseball please like we and when I say we I mean like the liberal leaning uh, (laughs) people of the world who have a real problem with the current state of uh, American politics we don't need your help (laughs) we're good like we'll be fine (laughs) just Stick to you, baseball, you, Pete. Like, ta- yeesh. Talk to your own people, man. Go on SportsCenter and say your weird shit because, like, it's what the old people are watching. Get off the Twitter. Or, we don't like, need give, that me, give me an essay with some, with some detail because 140 characters is just not 
enough space for you to like connect the dots that you're trying to connect. It's just not yeah. working at all. Especially because he's like an old man. So he won't abbreviate words and he has to use like appropriate grammar. <laughs> and he's just like yeah. wasting characters with his vowels and shit. It's like, dude, I don't know what you're trying to get across here. You need to do this in like you know, record a video, do the weird type it up in notes and post the picture thing. I hate that, but like maybe it would work better for you. Yeah, buddy. but if you have like a complex thought, uh, yeah, it doesn't belong on Twitter. Twitter's then, for morons. You know, flesh it out. Flesh it out, Pete. Like you're Twitter's not a native. To read. You're not a uh, yeah. native to Twitter. Like you're a guy that made his bones writing like two, like, like 2,500 word columns in yeah. newspapers. Clearly the format of Twitter is not working for you. Not for you, dude. Stick to the long form, Pete print media let's let's not get wild here you don't need to be in every platform no one's going like i wonder where i can find what peter gammons is thinking right now like i yeah, i know where to find you if i want you so <laughs> stick with that i don't have that all kind right. of attention all right ready for one more yeah i sure am all right red Sox ace chris sale faced some questions about his recent illness and subsequent hospitalization this week he said the following and i quote I had irritation from a belly button ring, just constantly taking it in and out, causing irritation and got a rash down there. Sales said with a straight face yesterday at Fenway Park, had to take care of that. Doctors and nurses over at uh, MGH were awesome. Things happen. You handle them and keep moving forward. This turned some heads in the media, as one might guess, and the fan base this week. But turns out Sale was just trolling everybody and had a much less sexy, gross stomach illness of some kind. How would you rate this troll job on a scale of one to 10? You know, I wouldn't have uh, taken Chris Sale for a regular old prankster. Uh, McGee. Couldn't really <laughs> tell you much about Chris Sale's personality, to be totally honest. I'm going to give this uh, troll job a 8.5. Oh, oh you like this, it. I think this was an above average troll. I think it was a really good troll. Like I was away this weekend and like, wasn't really like super plugged into like Boston media coverage, but like I saw a headline that was like totally like playing it straight. Like Chris sale was in the hospital because of his belly button ring. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like I like the reason I didn't read it, the article, like when I saw the headline, cause I was like, I need to like sit down and really read that. Like I, I can't just, I can't just like passively skim this article. Like I'm going to save that treasure trove for later on. I'm but then like, yeah, this. a couple days later, he's like, yeah, I'm obviously just fucking with you. But like, he like, he like delivered it straight and people fucking bought that shit. Good for him. Um, I, uh, first of all, like, what a weird thing to come up with that you talk about getting a belly button ring. <laughs> and second of all, like, Jesus, people are buying it. That's the same person that's liking Peter Gammon's tweets. I don't know. Tweets. I mean, if I, 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 I haven't seen any video or any or anything like that of him saying it, but like, it's, it's from all reports, seem like he he just he he <laughs> sold it. Yeah, he just went for it. Well, I don't know. Anyway, bizarre. Well, I think that wraps it up for us this week. We uh, have a lot to look forward to. We're going to see the Patriots take on the Bills on Monday Night Football, so we're going to stay up late again. Bruins are going to finish up their West Coast swing. Celtics have a bunch of games. And most importantly and excitedly, we'll see the Red Sox in the World Series. We may, uh, the next time we are talking, we might be World Series champs. We oh. might be defeated. We might be neither yet. But it is possible that by our next recording, the World Series is decided. 
Oh, I'll bring the champagne. I hope you do. <laughs> also, I want to point out that Paul McCartney's technically a bass player, so. <laughs> All right, that's different. <laughs> There's also that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> he was also a front man. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, you asked me about a bass player. And All I right, you got, you got one. You got one. <laughs> Uh, great. Well, cool. I'll talk to you next week, Melissa. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.